Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd, and on today's episode, we have got Elise Downing. Now, if that name is foreign to you, let me just throw a few facts at you to get started. Back in 2015, Elise didn't really like her job. She was a bit bored living in London, so she decided to quit and do something else. She decided to go for a run, but not just a normal run, not a five-miler or a ten-miler or even a marathon. She decided to run around the coast of Great Britain, 5,000 miles over 301 days. Now, for me, this is one of the best challenges of the last 10 years. I really, really, really believe that. And this is an incredibly insightful conversation, I think, into a challenge like this. Some amazing stories chucked in there as well. And I really enjoyed Elise's company. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do click on that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice little review as well. Without further ado, this is Elise Downing on Why in the World. Elise Downing. Hello. Hi. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Fantastic, thank you very much. Um, you're warming your hands up with a nice cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> you just cycled right across central London to our little flat in Fulham. We're recording this. Yeah, uh, dodging hundreds of insane taxi drivers. Yeah, I was just saying that. Quite the adventure. <laughs> didn't necessarily have that problem when you were running around the coast. No, did you? not many taxi drivers to dodge. <laughs> so if you don't know, Elise ran 5,000 miles over 301 days. 10 months around the coast of Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Where was this idea born? Let's start there. Um, I was literally sitting at work one day and I worked for a startup. We delivered things. So I was looking at maps, see if we could deliver something to a customer. I think they were somewhere in Scotland. Okay. And I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone's been around the coast of the UK before. And I kind of Googled it. And like a lot of people had walked around, people had cycled, but no one seemed to have really ran. And I didn't, re- I didn't even own a bike at the time. I couldn't drive, so I couldn't drive around. I was like, oh, I've done a little bit of running. Maybe that's a good idea. So you decided to run around the coast of Great Britain. Was there any reason that it was the coast? Have you got any sort of affiliation with the sea or anything like that? Or was it just like, hmm, just seems like something no one's really done? Yeah, not really. I'm, li- I'm from Northampton, so in the middle of the Midlands. I think the official furthest place from the sea in the UK is about 20 minutes down the road from okay. us. So definitely kind of not where I'm from, which maybe is why I sort of am fascinated by it. But I don't know, I literally just had the idea and then I told a few people and it just kind of snowballed and yeah... It happened. Yeah, which was weird. I don't think when I was telling people at first, I was actually had to go and do it. Yeah. It was just like cool to tell people. How old are you at this point? I was 23. So, so that's super young to be in doing like an endurance challenge like this. Yeah, but I think because I'd, at the time I was in like my first job after I graduated from university okay. and I'd been graduated about a year before that. And I, I just didn't really have any like thing to lose. Like I was like really lucky. Like I was in a position where I guess I could literally drop my whole life like I didn't have any family like I didn't yeah I gave up my flat I was like oh I can just go did you do any running before this so I think I started running it would have been about three two or three years before that um just started as a bit of a like get fit I was living in Sweden at the time it was about minus 14 all winter and I had no appropriate kit so I used to run around my brother was last it's a picture of me after I did this 10k that was my very first race 
and then wearing these absolutely horrible bright blue but also quite see-through leggings and then like a really old sweatshirt I got from a charity shop and like my raincoat um yeah it was very cold and but yeah before that I'd never done any running I remember the first day I ran for half an hour without stopping and I was like that is insane I am an Olympic athlete (laughs) (laughs) and then after that had you done any races prior to obviously this massive expedition yes I did I think I did a half marathon that's why I started running really I thought it was New Year's resolution that I wanted to do a half marathon. Okay. So I did that. And then the next year I was raising money to, for something at university. So I decided to sign up for a marathon. The marathon was, I think, two days after I'd handed my dissertation. So I'd basically spent like two months in the library living on Monster and like Haribo. I hadn't any <laughs> running. diet, come I, on. Had, like, I was in terrible shape. And I was dressing up as a Crayola crayon for this marathon. What colour? Uh, purple. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and it was probably one of the worst days of my entire life. Um, I, I cried for like a solid eight miles of it. A small child heckled me and called me the crying crayon. It was terrible. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the greatest first experience of running. So post that then, coming up with a crazy idea like running around the coast yeah. seems a little bit kind of unbelievable. And like, why would you do that to yourself? Well, I think I was like, I kind of had the idea and I'd always loved the idea of doing like a big trip but I never really knew what I'd do and I guess I just thought oh I'll do it another time I had this idea and I told him like first of all I told the guy I was seeing at the time and he was like worryingly enthusiastic about it looking back like yeah go like immediately leave tomorrow which I don't know if it's a compliment and then I told my parents and they didn't say it was absolutely insane they just thought it was quite funny I think and then I think I was following other people doing like all these crazy adventures and I was like, well, they're just another person. If they can do it, maybe I can. But I was like following Anna McNuff, who at the time was running the length of New Zealand, forgetting that she used to be like a GB athlete and like came and like both of her parents have like Olympic bronze medals. And I definitely was not of that kind and of you, like athletic you pedigree. Had to run a marathon as a purple yeah. crayon. But somehow I bypassed that bit of information okay. at the time. I was like, Oh, they're another person and they're doing it. So, so you mentioned there about sort of telling your family and them not yeah. being like completely scared of the whole idea what about your mates when you told them so yeah I think my family just thought it probably wouldn't happen so my mum was like they just didn't trust you you were going to do it had you come up with sorts of ideas like this before yeah probably yeah loads of stupid ideas so my mum was just like oh yeah whatever like it's just another thing Elise is saying she's going to run around the coast yeah and then I remember I told my friends on a night out we are in the pub somewhere and I told them I was so nervous I don't know why but I just thought they were going to be like really mean about it and then the next day they were like so what was that thing you told us last night that's definitely gone down as one of my weirder drunken confessions imagine that having a Jaeger bomb and they're going oh by the way I'm going to go on a 5,000 mile run yeah but I think they again I just don't think they really thought it would happen I think they just thought oh it's just something she's saying Um, and then I got to the start line I think they were quite shocked about that um, and then one of them actually told me about a week before I finished he was like we just didn't think this was going to happen so let's talk about training then because how do you train for something that's over 301 days like a multi day yeah. event like that so like I basically I didn't not do any training I had high hopes of doing more training which didn't really happen but the summer leading up to it because I set off in November great time setting off into the British yeah. winter um, I'd done like a fair bit of cycling like been a few cycle tours and I think that was really useful just for like getting the mentality of like I'm really tired I've got okay. to carry on going like, I'm cold I'm hungry and how to steal Nutella from breakfast buffets which was my main skill of <laughs> the whole thing but in terms of running like I hadn't really done a whole load and I had 
I did a hundred. Well, I didn't do a hundred kilometer race a few weeks before, but the, the idea was I was going to train for that and then be ready to go off the back of it. The training didn't happen. I did it with my friend Sophie again, like very sporty, very athletic. Neither of us thought that we should do any training. I think we both did one twenty mile run. We set off in this race and it was an absolute disaster. I gave so this up. was a hundred k ultra. Yeah, I gave up. I think about the marathon point. Having I'd, again another crying race, but I was trailing behind Sophie, who was managing to pull it off a lot better than I was. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to do it. But I didn't want her to know I was crying. So I was like, I'm fine. So you dropped out 26 miles into what, about 60 miles? Yeah, and I were in a graveyard. So I just like cried <laughs> in this graveyard. There was actually, actually a couple getting married on the other side of the church. And I was just... I was thinking state. the couple weren't getting married in the graveyard, were they? No, just in really the church. Right, okay. <laughs> um, and I think one of my friends was actually like, I just don't know why you think you can go and do this thing if you can't even bother to like train for a race. But I guess when you're going to do something for one day or even like a week... You've got to really hit the ground running. Mm. You don't have loads of time to play with. Because I had so much time, although obviously, like, I did do a lot of miles. To start with, I wasn't doing very many. Like, I think the first day was quite, like, that was, like, 17 miles. Obviously, that's a decent length. Yeah, that is decent. But I found that pretty hard. But then the next day, I think I did about six miles. And then it was quite, so it was pretty gentle going into it, which I basically kind of trained on the job. And I don't know what I actually could have done to prepare for it mm. like because I think if I got to the point before the start where I could really comfortably run 30 miles I would have just been tired at that point yeah so, and I suppose you can never train for that yeah. amount of mileage for that amount of days though and like you said you're not going to be doing that 30 miles yeah. a day kind of thing from the start from yeah. the start what was your what was your longest day so my longest day I was 40 miles which okay I so did, that is a long day yeah and it was yeah hard which I did about 10 months in um so yeah, like it, take, it took quite a long time to build up to that point. I guess, like in hindsight, it might be useful to do some more strength work and stuff, and just get generally a bit more prepared. But in terms of running, I just don't know if it would have helped. I suppose loads. something like that, though, something like an expedition, a challenge, like running the coast of Great Britain. You're not trying to do it for time, really, are you? No, exactly. And when you think about it, like although. I was doing a lot of miles. It wasn't It wasn't like I was doing that and then going to work all day. Like, it took me a long time to do them each day. Like, it was very slow going. I'd, like, sit down and have a sandwich. I know. Lots of people will be listening to this, though, and thinking, <laughs> she's mad. I'd, I'd way prefer to go and do a long day. Let's do some overtime. I don't want to run that much out. Yeah, like, I mean, they've probably got a point. It was a stupid idea. Coming back to work then, post the race, we're going to yeah. talk about, I say, call it a race, post the challenge. Um what was that like? We'll talk about the actual challenge as well, obviously, yeah. but what was coming back to work after the whole thing like? So it think, must have been weird. Yeah, so I think the like post-adventure thing has been difficult because I had a few friends who I met kind of through doing it who'd done these big trips before and they all warned me about the like post-adventure blues. I think by the end I was really excited to come home. I missed okay. seeing my family and my friends and just having my own bed and having a fridge and I was like, yeah, I was excited to come home. But I didn't really plan anything. Like, I spent all my money. I was, like, totally broke. So I'd gone from this big adventure that was, like, great. And, like, it was, like, a bit of an ego boost. Like, everyone was telling you how great you are all the time. And then suddenly I was just at home, living in my childhood bedroom, asking my dad for, like, a tenner, like, pocket money every week. And it was a bit bleak. So, because I didn't know what to do at all, a job came up. Um, so I just took this, like, yeah, desk job at Tech Startup. Basically didn't really run. Got really injured as well. And I was just, like, yeah totally miserable for about a year because I think I just tried to like put it in a box I was like that thing that happened but sort of everyday tasks post doing yeah. something like that must have felt kind of like oh well, this is easy I don't have to go and run yeah although I felt it kind of like because obviously I spent a year with just 
my stuff in my backpack. So I had two changes of clothes, one of which was dirty at any given time and one of which, well, I could clean for it wasn't that clean. And then I came home and I just remember looking in my wardrobe and I was like, oh my gosh. What's like, my choice? Like, there's so many clothes here. <laughs> I remember going for, I was went for a run a few days in a row. My mum was like, you do realise you can just put your kit in the wash after a run. You don't have to wear the same socks. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Just wearing the same day- thing yeah. for 15 days. Your yeah. mum's like, for God's sake, like, please just wash, wash your something, socks. please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the adventure itself. Um, you mentioned injuries there. That was yeah. post-adventure. During it, I mean, I'm sure there was some sort of injury at some point. Yeah, so I was really lucky, and I'll give you my very unscientific theory about this, but I got a bit of a niggle at one point, but it happened to just be over Christmas, so I just went home for Christmas, so it's actually time quite well. But I think because, like I said, although I was by the end, especially doing like a lot of miles, like can't deny that, I did <laughs> yeah, ease... <laughs> 5,000, just a few. I did ease in really gently. Like, when you follow a training plan, they say, like, don't increase your mileage by more than 10% a week, or whatever it is. Like, I wasn't really... Like, I was genuinely increasing it really gradually. And the intensity was really low. So, though the miles were high, like, I felt so much more ruined after, like, trying to run a marathon PB okay. than I ever did on the coast because it was that very low kind of intensity. And also, I was never really on roads. I find, like, doing loads of road running just injures me instantly mm. like it was all on really soft trails and I think that probably kind of helped like it was quite gradual it was quite slow and the train was quite gentle on so injury wise actually wasn't anything major no I had like, like a few niggles and then I'd have a little rest day and it would kind of be fine and because it was of especially some bits so like the southwest coast path which was definitely one of my favorite bits it was beautiful but over the winter it was so muddy you're basically just like swimming through it I was barely right, okay. running at that point and because it was so, so hilly and then coming down was so muddy, at those points I was barely running because I was like walking up the hills and then sliding down them. Sort of so, skiing down the other yeah. side on a mud ski. So yeah, I was will. pretty lucky in the injuries, but then as soon as I came back, I've had every injury under the sun. It's so. just how it happens. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you're kind of running on adrenaline at that yeah. point as well, though. I want to talk about the pack because a lot of people will hear the mileage. They hear 5,000 miles mm. a long way. They hear the days, 301 yeah. days. But what a lot of people won't realise is the fact that this was completely self-supported, basically, and you were carrying a pack with you. Yeah. With so a tent. The pack was definitely the worst part about it. And that's what really puts me off doing anything similar. Like running with a... Like I think I packed pretty lightly. I did carry a Rubik's Cube around. So maybe okay. Not that lightly. Stop there a second. <laughs> Why? So I stayed with um, a really lovely lady in Cornwall. Um, so two months in, I think. And yeah, she was great, and she had two quite small children. And one of them had a Rubik's cube, so I just started playing with it one night. And the next thing I knew, it was one o'clock in the morning, and I was still trying to use Rubik's cube. And I was like, oh, I should really go to bed. Yeah, got to like, rent some miles tomorrow. Yeah, I really need to go to bed. But I was like, oh, I just really want to do it. And then in the morning, she was like, take it with you. And I was like, I can't steal your child's toy. She was like, oh, I can get like five pounds. I can get him a new one, but you need to finish that Rubik's cube. So I took it away and I had this vision that I'd practice the whole time and then cross the finish line and do like a 30 second Rubik's Cube. I finished <laughs> it the next day following the like internet solution for it and literally didn't play with it again. Okay. Just carried it around. So, so you just literally left it in your bag. Yeah. Extra so that, weight. Yeah, that was don't carry Rubik's Cube, that's what I'd say. And alongside the Rubik's Cube, there was your tent as well because you were staying on the route itself. Yeah. That had to have been 
horrendous some nights putting that up after running all the mileage in the weather that you would have experienced some days yeah can't be very nice so i was really it basically things didn't pan out so i set off with a tent which i was actually really luckily borrowed from my very trusting friend you borrowed it yeah well it got to about a week before and i hadn't really ordered any of my kit i was very disorganized and um, my friend just had loads of kit. He was like, oh, you can borrow this tent if you want. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll great. I'll get this back 10 months later. Yeah, so, yeah, I borrowed this tent, which is like a super small little tent, really great. Um, and I thought I'd be camping all the time because I basically knew I couldn't afford not to. I was like, I have to go in like three years for want to stay mm. in a and b every night. And I thought that'd be part of the adventure. I was pretty terrified of the idea of wild camping on my own. But I, in my head, as soon as I got on this trip, I'd be like really adventurous and rugged and fearless and not be scared again. <laughs> that obviously didn't happen. And then, but as I started doing it, like I started blogging about it a bit, mostly just for my friends and family to read. But then other people started reading it and it kind of snowballed a bit. And in the end, I ended up staying with about 200 like total strangers um who'd like let me go and stay with their families or there'd be people from running clubs and people were just so 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 kind so I only actually camped about a third of the time in the end um and not much at all over the winter so there is such a community though isn't there when it comes to like running and stuff like that and I would imagine you were staying with some people and they were recommending you other places and you were like ah because well, I, yeah, I just can't believe how nice people were. And sometimes I turn up to someone's house and they'd have this beautiful home and it'd be white and pristine and I'd be head to toe in mud. One woman actually hosed me down outside of her house because she was like, you just can't. Like, you cannot come in. I just got this image. Stand against that wall. Yeah. But it was just so surreal. Like, Because I expected it to be all like hardship and pain. And to be honest, if I'd had to camp every night, I'm not sure I would have finished. But like, okay. some nights I went to, like, I went to stay with... Um, a really lovely woman called Annie and within about five minutes I'd like had a shower and I was in a hot tub with a G&T and I was like is this really what this adventure was meant to be about? <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, that, that is absolutely night. brilliant. Talking about like nutrition I suppose yeah. I don't know how I ever got from a G&T to nutrition <laughs> but I suppose Lime it's a, Yeah, fruit. it's maybe something like that. Was there any scientific thought that had gone into your nutrition plan at all or was it just sort of eat when I'm hungry I need the calories I'm running a long way yeah so obviously I was kind of lucky because around the British coast except for some parts there's quite a lot of like cafes shops everything it wasn't like I was having to carry loads of food mm. but it was because I was staying with people like they'd often like well usually like make dinner and breakfast but they'd be amazing and they'd be like oh you've run a long way so we're going to make this like three course meal and sometimes although I was running a long way I wasn't really running enough to warrant but eating that for like 6,000 calories a day. So there were some pictures from the middle of it where I looked like distinctly chubby. And I'm like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. But I think um, you are just so tired and hungry all the time that if anything, probably like calorie input versus output, there were definitely times I was eating too much. And I also, I think in general life, I'm quite healthy, like I really like vegetables. And I didn't, I think I ever got my five a day going around the coast. And I actually really liked it when I stayed with someone who like was a runner. And I think they got it a bit more and they'd be like, here's a salad with dinner. Okay. Whereas I think some people who didn't run would just be like, carbs, carbs. And here's like, cake. They're like, That's lovely, but I just really like an apple now. <laughs> Give me a banana, please. So I think, yeah, probably if I did something again, I'd make more effort to try and like eat a bit more fruit. You keep saying... If you did something again, <laughs> I'm sure you've had some sort of thoughts about other things you would like to do. Yeah, I think I've definitely had ideas. And especially at the beginning, I think people have given up asking now because I never give them an exciting answer. That was like, what's next? What's next? But I think when like you go do something like that, like, I was away for 10 months. Like I really miss like, seeing my grandma. Mm. And 
I think if I did something again, it would be like shorter. I think I could have got the same out of doing like a two or three month thing, probably. But equally, I don't know if I could have justified quitting my whole life for two months. Like, because it was kind of easy to be like, oh, I'm going to quit my job, my flat, and move away because I'm going away for 10 months. But I don't know if I could have the guts to do that for two months. Some so people difficult. go travelling, I suppose, don't they, for yeah. that amount of time. You decide to go and run around the coast of Great Britain, which yeah. does. Does sound completely mad. Every time you say it, it does sound completely, completely mad. It is. It is weird. One of my favourite like party tricks is if I am talking to someone, they say they've been somewhere on the coast. I'm like, oh, where? And they're like, oh, it's just a tiny place. You won't know it. And I'm like, oh, go on. <laughs> and go. then I try and remember like a fact about it. I'm like, oh yeah, they're like the tea room there. <laughs> and they just always look so. They go with the pub on the corner. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know that one. Like literally been to every single place in the coast. Yeah, you literally have been. Was there a favourite place? Was there somewhere that you really, really enjoyed being? I loved the whole Southwest Coast path. I would go and like hike that again anytime. It was beautiful. So, like, so it runs from Somerset round to Dorset, six hundred and thirty miles. It's like a national trail, so it's all amazingly well Casual signposted. six hundred and thirty. <laughs> it's all like so well signposted. It's beautiful, and like there are other bits where. I'm sure the coastline was beautiful, but there's not a path around it. So I was just having to run. And like, there were some quite hairy moments on main roads that were a bit rubbish. Whereas the South of Coast Path, I mean, it's pretty hard, but it's, yeah, amazing and beautiful. But I did get to the end of it. And I think because I ran from London, I sat from London, I went clockwise. So I'd done some miles, I don't know how many, by the time I got to start the South Coast Path. And when I got to the end, I think I was on about a thousand miles. And I was like, if I just said I was going on a thousand mile journey... That's, like, quite a long way. Yeah, like, everybody would have been like, that's mad. I feel like they almost, like, you get to the point where it doesn't really make a difference how much further it is. I was like, I could have just done Where do you think that miles. point is? I um, think even if you had said you were going 200 miles, people would be like, that's a long way. But I do... Well, I think it depends who it is, because I think if people don't run any ways a long way... Like, even now, like, sometimes I talk to people, and they know I've done that. They know I like running a long distance. But then say I'll go for, like, a five-mile run before work, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's such a long way. So I think anything, anything's in the long way category. Do you ever think long. when you're running now, like, if you're going on that five-mile run before work, yeah. or if you're doing a marathon or whatever, and you're feeling like you're in the middle of it, and you're like, this is really, really hard. Do you ever yeah. think in your head, at least what you're doing? You run 5,000 miles. <laughs> but I think it is, like, so different. Because I think yeah. my, like comfort zone I guess is I am alright at like just plodding through like hours and hours like and not giving up but just sort of going yeah whereas I'm not one great. foot in front of the other kind of thing yeah and like I won't give up like, I'm quite stubborn but I'm not great at like pushing myself to like run faster and like harder so I think now that I have like limited time like have a full-time job again I'm trying to like work on those things because I feel like you can almost fit more challenge into a smaller amount of time so like I find, like, I was training for, to try and run a marathon um, better time in December, and that was so much harder. How did that around. go? Oh, not very well. Completely exploded at the end. Oh, did you? Well, I just, for some reason, decided to throw the whole plan out the window and run about 40 seconds a mile faster than I trained for. Don't know why I um, thought that was a good idea. Okay. Just suddenly was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Got really cocky and um, exploded at the end. Where was that? So, Valencia. Oh, okay, so... so- a nice yeah. one as well. My mum said she saw me at eight miles and 16 miles and I was like, yeah. And then Queen started playing and I was doing like the clapping and then suddenly I was like, oh no. No, can't do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. You mentioned then when we were just talking about that, about being a little bit stubborn. Yeah. Was there any moments throughout the adventure, and I'm sure there was, where yeah. you just thought, you know what, I just want to go home. I just want my bed. I want my family. Yeah, I think, there were, I mean, there were definitely a lot of those moments. The worst one, I think, was I went home for the weekend 
about March time, so it would have been about halfway through. And I was getting on the, I was getting the train back to pick up the tram. I was like, I just don't want to go. Mm. And I got to Swansea, and I was just sitting in this cafe, like literally. I think people thought that someone had died. I was like bawling, and people kept coming over and asked what was wrong. And I was like, I've got to go running. <laughs> and they were like, oh, I don't care. Like, don't get much sympathy if you say that. No. FYI. No. <laughs> I'm going to go for a run. Yeah, but they think you're probably going to yeah. go for like a little jog or something. And at that point, I was like, I just really, really want to quit. But I think my dad was actually really good with this because every time I was like, oh, I want to quit, and I. My mum made a joke to my friend at the finish line, oh, thank God she's finished. We might have our lives back now. Because were they just sort of supporting you the whole way around as well, obviously? Yeah, it's like my dad came out every month. I saw more of him when I was doing it than... Because they, they both run as well, so they came to visit quite a few times and ran with me, which was really nice. But yeah, my dad was really good because he was quite good at pointing out like the realities of it. So he was like, obviously, come home if you want to, that's fine. But it's not like you're just going to come home and sit on the sofa forever. Like You will then have to just get another job you might not really like. And he was like, they might be like opportunities if you finish this and like so he was quite good at being a bit more realistic about mm. it whereas I was just like oh, I just want to come home and sit on the sofa forever you would have been absolutely gutted though surely mm. like now looking back do you think thank god he said that because if yeah. I had come home I would have been and I think the like sort of fact that I told the world and started like blogging about it and stuff I just couldn't and something that really got me through is like if I was having a rubbish day and I really wanted to quit I, was, I kept making these like little Facebook videos and I remember there was one day that was just really rubbish and I really just wanted to get on the bus but I was like there are a few things ahead that like if I'd done that it would have been really difficult to go back and pick up the trail and I was like I can't skip this 10 miles because I'll just never forgive myself and I'd already made my like daily video diary being like oh I'm running this far today and getting space and I was like I just can't bring myself to record a different video for the day so that kind of was actually good having like both my friends and family and then also this like really lovely little online community and I was like I just can't tell these people that I've quit you kind of had someone to answer to I yeah. suppose I think, and I think that made it good in terms of like differentiating between I actually am miserable and I want to go home and just oh, can't be bothered yeah. like because my dad was also like yeah you can't bother but you'll probably have this same moment if you're sitting at work and it was a Monday absolutely. lunchtime you'd be absolutely like, oh, your boss is being yeah. like a bit of a pain and just like oh, I just really don't want yeah. to do this so I think he was quite good at that Talk about low lights. Let's talk about highlights. Yeah. So low lights. Like, but they were all. You have plenty of time. <laughs> I think, and like, why I literally love running and all that kind of stuff is that it just makes the like tiny things seem so exciting. Like, when you've been out for a really long day and then you get to have a cup of tea and put a warm jumper on, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world. Mm. So there was one day, it was in the Highlands, I was going up to a place called Tongue. Um, and I had quite a long day that day it was about 32 miles or something and I'd set off a bit too late in the morning and then the weather was just rubbish it was absolutely chucking it down and there's only really one road around there so and then every car that came past was like oh do you want a lift you alright I was like oh you must have been like stop offering yeah I was like yes and then there was so in turn I knew there was a shop and stuff and I like pretty much didn't really have much food left and then I realised because it was Sunday I suddenly realised I was never going to get there in time for this shop to still be open and if I wanted to camp I couldn't really go the whole way into town because then I would have been like not really anywhere you could camp so I was like oh, what am I going to do and all I had was some oats and I had my filter bottle and I was like I'm just going to have oats and puddle water for dinner like that's because I didn't carry a stove so I'm just going to have cold oats and puddle water for dinner and I was really trying to gear myself up for the fact that I'd be fun and it was absolutely chucking it down so like all my tent was going to get so wet and I was pretty miserable 
And then I suddenly remembered that about a mile and a half before actual tongue, there was this hostel and a campsite. And I thought, well, at least if I go stay at the campsite, get some not puddle water. Mm. And I'll be able to have a shower. And like, it would just be a bit, and they might let me in the hostels, like sit in the living room. So. This is where your head has to go yeah. when you're doing this sort of thing. I might have to drink puddle water. Yeah. So then, so I got to this hostel and it was so, so, so windy. And she was just about to close up the reception for the night. And then she was like, oh, we've got one bed left in the hostel. And she also, this woman made, like, homemade sort of ready meals that she froze and then sold you. So instead of having oats and puddle water in my wet tent, I was, like, in this hostel with a roaring fire, a family bag of minstrels and, like, a green Thai curry. And all the people who'd driven past me were at the hostel. And when I walked into the kitchen, they were like, yes, she made it. And that was just, like, the best moment of my life. I was just so happy. And then, like, big trig points like John O'Groats what was that like yeah so that was yeah another definite highlight so I got to John O'Groats probably did the most convoluted landing to John O'Groats route in the world and I'd stayed with this really lovely family for a few days so I hadn't had to carry my pack so that was like great and then got to John O'Groats it'd been raining all day and I literally got there and the sun came out so that was beautiful and I went to the famous sign to get someone to take my picture and I met, there was an, I think they were Australian couple, and this guy who was setting off to cycle down to Land's End. And we just had, like, a really sort of random, like, funny conversation for a while. Um, and, yeah, I was just like, at that point, it really felt like I was on the home straight. So I think they just thought it was really weird because I was so <laughs> excited. I was like, I've only got a 1,000 miles left to run. Like, I'm nearly there. And they were like, what are you talking about? I feel about? a little bit sorry for the guy on the bike. Oh, Because, yeah. like, you must have got there. He's on the bike, I bet. That Australian couple are speaking to him like he's about to do an amazing thing. Yeah. And you turn up having run, what, 4,000 miles by that point? Or something mad? Yeah, he yeah, he was like, you've really put a downer on my own trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, but I'm really excited. And when you go, then you go to the little shop and you get um, a medal and a certificate for the Land's End to do a great. And I was like, am I like eligible for one? She was like, well, I guess so. But you've come with a weird Yeah, route. you went the weirdest <laughs> way. You went like the proper scenic route. You yeah. could have just gone direct. That would be way yeah. easier. But yeah, that was great. Um yeah, that was a fun one. And then from there, obviously, I say the home straight, very open-ended, because <laughs> it's a very, very long run still. Yeah. Once you got back to London, where yeah. you started, what was that finishing moment like? Yeah, so like the whole last... So I think it was about two months it took me to get from John O'Groats back home again. And that whole bit, we had a massive heat wave. My tan was insane. Like, there's a picture, I think my most liked ever photo on my Instagram is this picture of my feet, which is so white with this, like, sharp, like, tan line. <laughs> so tanned. Um, and, yeah, it was so, so hot. And because I was obviously getting closer to sort of home again, loads of people came to visit me. Like, my brother and my niece and nephew came to visit for a bit. And so I just had a really nice time for the last bit. And, like, I guess I knew it was going to be over. So, yeah, it was lovely. And then I planned the last day so that I could, like, tell somebody to come and, like, cheer me in. I thought I'd be good I like finish. how you speak about this, though. Like, no one's going to come and see you. <laughs> so, like, so many people were following this online. In my head, that was like, just my oh, mum. Yeah. Like, 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 like. <laughs> but, yeah, so I planned this day in. But I'd put a few kind of buffer days in because I was still, like, quite nervous that I wouldn't make it. So I actually ended up finishing, I think, a day or two early. So... I can't actually quite remember where I got to, somewhere on the Thames, somewhere east. And I was saving about 15 miles for the last day because I felt like I should do, like, some sort of distance on yeah. the last day. So I didn't want to do a mile. So 100 metre running. Yeah, so I got I got to there and then I got the train into London and went to stay with my friend for a couple of days. And he was obviously went to work for um, 
because it was like in the middle of the week. So I was like, what What do I do? So I like, watched some daytime TV, washed my one set of clothes, and I was like, oh, and I needed to go and buy some jeans because I didn't own any. So I um, like, ran to Stratford oh, and just went for this little three mile run. And I was like, oh, this is really weird. So actually, you didn't do 5,000 miles, you did 5,003. Yeah. <laughs> you need to add that yeah. on the end. Yeah, and then we finally got to the last day, and um, like, it was like a really nice day. Like, some people came to run, like, some friends came to run with me, which was really nice. And then finished in Greenwich Park. It was a yeah, lovely sunny day. I think my dad had been to other people in the park and was like, oh, like my daughter's come, been doing this thing, like cheer her on when she comes in. Because I think the plan was that, which I didn't actually know about, but one of the people that was running with me was going to like run ahead and sort of sales coming. Oh, uh, right, okay. So I ran in and didn't have my glasses on and I just heard someone cheering. So I like, ran into this group of people. I looked around and I was like, none of you are my mum. <laughs> like, I don't know who's going to any of them. And then all of my friends were actually on the top of the hill. Um, why Why they put the finish line at the top of the hill? Evil. So ran at the top of the hill. And it was just so weird. We have a bit of a running joke that on my graduation day, my dad bought me a Foster's. Um, I asked him to go get me a drink and came out with the Fosters. I was like, everyone else has got like champagne and I've got a pint of Fosters. And then, so when we finished, he bought a whole box of Fosters. Oh, so here's a crate like, of Fosters. I hate Fosters. That's exactly what you need. <laughs> so I was in Greenwich Park drinking a warm, flat Fosters. They must be so, so proud of what you did, though. Uh, <laughs> Is it hard for you to kind of accept that? I feel as though it's hard for you to accept that it's a mad thing to have done. I think, like, it, my the picture of her is actually quite funny. My mum still has her phone screensaver, has, like... I ran in and some people did the, like, arm tunnel. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a picture of me running through. My friend Danny, because it was a really hot day, is just wearing the shortest shorts in the world and it's completely topless. And he's in front of me and I'm here. So my mum's screensaver is basically just my friend Danny, topless. <laughs> so Hi, mum. That's her like, outstanding memory of um, <laughs> of the whole, the whole trip. Day, yeah. Just Danny topless. <laughs> I want to ask, did uh, did he get his tent back? Uh, yeah, he did. So Dave, my friend, my friend who lent me the tent, he um, came to the finish line and I thought... I was, like, quite attached to the tent at this point. You spent ten months yeah, with it. Yeah, and, and also, like, it definitely needed cleaning. Um, but he was like, oh, I might as well take the tent back. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no I guess so. There you go, wait, I don't really want you to have yeah. this back. So that was upsetting. But it was weird because I think the whole way around, like, like when you do, like, a long day event and you, like, get to the finish line and you're exhausted and you're just so happy to be finished and, like, amazing feeling... And I feel like I had that on a lot of days in the adventure, but the last day wasn't that day. Like, I didn't like fall over the finish line. I was like, oh, I've actually had two rest days. I feel great. So it's a weird feeling. It must have been so mentally challenging on mornings after a big day. Like you just said, some yeah. days it felt amazing finishing, mm. but some days it must have felt so hard lacing up your yeah. trainers, putting on your socks. Your feet must have been in a state. My feet, I didn't get a blister the whole you didn't time. Get, you didn't get a blister. <laughs> I thought you had some like... sort of bionic feet. <laughs> I thought I've had plenty before and since, but just managed to get away with no blisters. Because, because like in real life, just like yeah, real life, I like eating vegetables. In real life, I really like getting up early. Like I'm definitely a morning person. Like often, like if I have to go running, I'll be up at five o'clock to go. On this trip, I just couldn't get myself going. Like, sometimes I'd know I'd had, like, 30 miles to cover and it'd be midday and I'd just be sitting in a coffee shop spending way more money than I should be on flat whites. Like, what am I doing here? Just give me more caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Give me more caffeine. And then suddenly I then have to go and, like, in Scotland, because it was late, really late in the summer, it was, like, light till about 11 o'clock. 
and so there wasn't much motivation to get going mm. so I, did, I found that really difficult but then days like if I was meeting someone to go running with them or something and I'd have to start early and I'd be finished by two or three o'clock and then they were always really good days but I could never like trigger that in myself do you think of yourself as a very mentally strong person or not no not, not, not at, at all, all no. like definitely a bit stubborn but like yeah but no. you have to be surely pretty mentally strong to do what you did I think I just didn't want to give up by the time it got to it. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't know, like not more so. Than, and I like, really like I w- wasn't like a sporty child. Like I'm not really like that athletic. And I think when people are like, oh, I could never do that. I'm like physically, honestly, if I could do it, anyone else could. So what puts you apart from other people then? I just wanted to quit my job more. <laughs> Running away from real life. I like that. So you literally ran away from real life. Yeah. You did a, a long run away from real life. Yeah. Yeah, a really long run. So now post-event then, we finished, we we're in Greenwich Park, we've got a flat, warm Fosters in yeah. our hand. It must have felt really weird. I know we've kind of touched mm. on that post-challenge blues. Yeah. Did getting back to real life, was it like the weirdest thing? Yeah, I think what because that weekend I just like it was Notting Hill Carnival weekend. It was at like, Oxford Holiday, so I just went and hung out with my friends, just like we always had. And like I think like I think your friends and family are great because they don't care. Not that they don't care that you've done a thing, but they don't like love you more mm. because you've gone on a big trip, which is like really nice in a lot of ways. But then also it's like I, I remember that night I was trying to get a DJ to play a really crap Atomic Kitten song. Which one? Um, Holigan, obviously. True. Um, and. I was like, he wouldn't play it. So I tried to play the Ram 5,000 Miles card and this DJ just did not care. <laughs> I was like, I just ran 5,000 Miles, please play Atomic Kitten. And he was like, no chance. <laughs> From a DJ, if someone came up and said that to me in a club, I'd be like, no, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Of course I'm not going to play Atomic Kitten. Yeah, like did not care. Um, but yeah, and I think I came out and I think what I wasn't very good at then, which I think I guess I've got to be better at, was the like balancing of it. Like, I like now I'm quite good at like spending all my free time outside and still doing all those things I love while also going to work and not spending 10 months in a tent whereas I just think I spent a year yeah like I said trying to avoid it all so I didn't really run much didn't really go outside but so I guess after spending 10 months literally running around and all those like endorphins and Mm. adrenaline I guess that's what was difficult um but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a weird one. The year post-adventure was strange. If you were going to offer some advice to someone else, if there's another release, which I don't think there <laughs> is, but I'm sure there is someone out there that's having crazy thoughts yeah. like this. If you could offer them some advice, what would you say to them? I think I'd def- to like make it more fun, I'd definitely say that I have a coming home plan because I think that's what I lack. Like I said, like I had absolutely no money left. Um, and I didn't really, I hadn't really thought about what I was going to do. Um, whereas if I did anything again, and if anyone else did, I'd definitely have a bit of a coming home, for coming home fund and a coming home plan. Like just a vague idea of what you might do, even if it's just like I'm going to go on holiday for a week and like have a nice time on the beach mm. somewhere. Or like, yeah, definitely when I was saving up for my trip, factor in having some money to come home to, and yeah, like a bit of a plan. I Must guess. have been a hell of a hit financially. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I was lucky really because I planned. I think I roughly budgeted about £10 a day, thinking I'll just wild camp all the time and, like, eat pasta. And I roughly kept to that. I think I spent a bit more, but I roughly kept to that because I stayed with loads of people. I think it would have been much more difficult otherwise. Um, 
But really, like, when you think about it, obviously it is expensive, and people, that's another, like, main thing people always ask about going on a big trip. Obviously, it is a lot of money, that's like three, four thousand pounds. But when you think about people going, like, backpacking for a year, it's yeah. not really any different. It's an interrailing ticket, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not, or like, even just like a really expensive holiday. Like, it's not, it's not like a, it's not doable. It's not like people going row an ocean and that costs like 200 grand. Like, mm. it's like quite a sort of doable amount. And I convinced, managed to get a company to sponsor me a bit of money, which obviously helped. really helped. Um, yeah, so it, it was like a sort of doable amount of money, I guess. I would definitely factor it into that coming home fund next time. So when you're sitting in your flat now, you're back in London, yeah. post-adventure, nice and warm, yeah. hot chocolate or whatever, and outside it's blowing a gale and yeah. hammering it down with rain. During the adventure, those days must have been absolutely awful. Yeah, so there were like a few factors to this, I guess. I think spending that long outside, I actually realised the amount of times it's actually really bad weather, like quite small, really. And and my dad's a gardener and works in the forest. He also spends all his time outside. And he says the same. Like, if he thinks back to last year, the amount of days he actually was soaked through are not that many, really. So I think that was actually quite nice, that you're just out in all weathers. And I don't actually mind being out in the rain. The rubbish thing was when, if I had to camp after those nights and then nothing dries. And But you do just get used to it, I think. Like, I had wet feet for literally four months, which was pretty miserable because it was when the ground was really soft. So if it wasn't raining, you're going through puddles. But I just kind of got used to the fact that I'd be, like, knee-deep in, like, puddles and, like, mm. cow pats for, like, <laughs> days on end. And now if I, like, go out running, I'm like, oh, mud. But you just, like, I don't know, you just get used to it. It's weird. Last thing, how good did it feel the first night you were back in your own bed? So this is... My mum will really laugh at this. So I stayed with some friends in London for the weekend. And I got home, I think, the Monday morning. I was pretty hungover. Like, I wasn't really in a great way. I got home... And my mum had, like, made sure my room was all tidy and, like, obviously put fresh sheets and stuff. I was like, mum, this isn't my mattress. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's not my mattress. She was like, of course it's your mattress. I was like, you've swapped my mattress. And I went and looked at her mattress, which was just her mattress. I was like, my mattress used to feel different to this. And then I got into bed, I was like, this is not my mattress. And I just wouldn't believe that she hadn't swapped my mattress. And to this day, I'm still a bit suspicious. But she's like, where do you think we would have put your mattress? Like, Well, to be fair to you, though, <laughs> you were away for 10 months. That is plenty of time to get rid of a mattress exactly. if they want to get rid of a mattress. And I was inspecting, like, the other mattresses in the house. Like, somebody has got my mattress. She's like, they haven't. And then it didn't help because then one of my like, oldest friends came to stay over a few days later. She was like, your bed feels different. <laughs> I'm like, it does. <laughs> so, so that's how being in my own bed felt. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I feel as though we should end it there, but um, I will say uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person that really looks forward to hoping that you do something else in the future. We'll see. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Elise, thank you so much for this. And if people do want to find you on social media and go and read your old blog posts, how do they do that? So, yeah, I'm Elise C. Downing on all social media and then my blog's just elisedowning.com. My New Year's resolution last year was to blog more. I did not keep to that. But there's like this an year? archive. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try. <laughs> She's gonna do it. Hold it to it. Thank you, Elise. Cool, thank you. <laughs> thank you.
there you have it, Elise Downing on Why in the World. If you enjoyed that conversation, please do click on the subscribe button, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review as well. Also, that means that you get the next episode straight into your podcast app next Wednesday when it drops. But if you would like to find out who is going to be on that episode, you need to go and follow my Twitter. I am at Ben Shepherd or at Ben Shepherd 93 on Instagram. Every Sunday night, I'm going to be posting the guest that will be on the following week's episode. I also want to hear your comments. What did you think about today's podcast? I would like to hear from you. So use the forementioned Twitter and Instagram to let me know any of your comments. Once again, thank you very much for clicking on Why in the World, and I will speak to you again next week.